Hi there, this is Kent Roundy at USH Med Student. I have three medical students here with me to talk about... The ketogenic diet and uh, schizophrenia. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> um, in all fairness, I was a little hesitant about this, right, Jamin? You were. You pushed us into... not. You suggested a few other things, and we did those podcasts, and then we talked a lot about nutrition, and then we kind of came back to... A specific topic. I kind of felt guilty. <laughs> I, <doubt. laughs> I did. All right, so let's do introductions. Jamin, you're the one that's uh, spearheading this, so I'll come to you last. Rhett? Yeah, Rhett Dotson, a uh, third-year medical student at Rocky Vista University. And I'm Angelo Garcia, also a third-year medical student at the same school. And I'm Jamin Hemingway, a fourth-year uh, medical student at the same school, and I am doing my application to psychiatry residencies right now. And you decided to come here to be tortured. I appreciate that. We've had a lot of fun with you here, Jamin. I'd love to hear you're it. You're closing out next week, right? This is, yeah, a couple more days and I'm out. Up to Idaho. And uh, what will you do in Idaho? Um, same idea, a little different theme. Uh, outpatient psychiatry, um, some child and some adolescents. I believe there's a ketamine clinic and an ECT clinic, too, that I'm, I'm hoping to see while I'm there. Fantastic. These are great experiences that you're getting, and... Uh, Glad to have you. I've been very glad to have you here for the last uh, five weeks now. Yeah. Because you had a six-week rotation. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, all right. So you kind of talked to me about the uh, to me about this, what, uh, five weeks ago, roughly. <laughs> and you said, hey, here's my interest. I guess it was about a weekend. Tell me, tell me how this topic evolved for you. Yeah. So it, it died down recently, but I feel like in that first week, Every morning meeting we had, there was another patient asking for a diet change. I mean, so I thought this was a normal thing, and then it hasn't happened since in like four weeks. But that first week, I mean, five, ten patients said, I want a vegan diet or I want off a vegan diet. And they were all trying to change this around. So that's where my interest really started is, do we have any evidence that that's a good diet? Um, and then that changed to maybe the keto diet because we know it works in other areas. Um, so that's where it started. So keto diet for treatment of schizophrenia, you found some information on this. I did, and the history of the keto diet I think is pretty interesting um, of how we got to this point. So the keto diet was very popular in the 1920s. It, was, it looks like it was first-line treatment for epilepsy at the time. And um, it's been continually studied um, to today, and it does seem to decrease uh, the frequency of seizures about 50%. So there's something to this diet that has held up for 100 years that it, it slows down transmission in the brain is what it seems like. And um, So that's where that started. Um, a little bit about the diet is they look for a ratio of fats by weight uh, 4 to 1 for the carbohydrates and the protein. They get one part for every four parts of fat. Um, and even more than that, some of the keto diets will go more specific and say, hey, how many grams of carbohydrates you can have. And then there's a dozen variants of the diet from there. But um, as far as schizophrenia goes, um, it seems to work on the NMDA receptor. And so we've talked about the dopamine model a little bit, where we have the too much dopamine uh, being associated with schizophrenia. But the other model that's often used is the glutamate hypothesis of schizophrenia. 
And that is where it seems like this ketogenic diet would show or have its efficacy is by modulating the NMDA receptor. Right, and the NMDA, NMDA receptor, a very basic rundown of it, um, we can think of NMDA as the brakes. Um, we are going to, essentially the, the end of the kind of receptor pathway is we're gonna end up with less glutamate, more GABA uh, in the brain. So if, hold on, I've got a follow up there. The end of the ketogenic diet pathway is more GABA, less glutamate, or you're saying the end of the glutamate pathway is more GABA, less glutamate? I didn't... I was speaking specifically to the NMDA receptor. So if we want to modulate it by blocking that receptor, for instance, or agonizing it, um, it's just important to understand that I think a quick way to conceptualize it is it's breaks. Um, Generally speaking... Yeah. GABA receptor, glutamate receptor, sorry, is breaks. Right. NMDA. NMDA. Yeah. Specifically. Because okay. so, yeah. there are a couple of different glutamate receptors, right? There are. So that's why I was talking about the NMDA. And so that's uh, the reason I think that's important to this discussion and this other, uh, the glutamate hypothesis, right, and the way that NMDA modulates it to put the breaks on it, um, is that that's where the research is at this point. There's pretty good research on the ketogenic diet in mice where they've induced schizophrenia or have some model to try and represent schizophrenia and what the research comes back as this ketogenic diet seems to uh, block the, the antagonism at the NMDA receptor and that's where they think the, um, the, the benefit would be coming from is that they've found a way to modulate that with the ketogenic diet. All right so you sent me the the article from the journal Schizophrenia Research, which describes itself as a translational research journal, meaning that, hey, we're trying to find things that you can immediately use and change outcomes for patients, right? That's what mm-hmm. I understand as transitional research. And uh, the author is K-R-A-E-U-T-E-R, Crowter, Crowder, Crowder, and and sincerest apologies uh, to the author, um, because this really was a complicated article for me. So I, I read the first section of this, and it seemed to tie together a whole bunch of stuff that didn't really fit together for me, right? It seemed to mention all sorts of things I, I just couldn't track. But then I got into the meat of the article, and they did two things. They had mice, or they measured two things, but they did one thing, right? They had mice and they gave them MK801, which binds somewhat like PCP. And we talked about the PCP model of schizophrenia just a little bit ago in our discussion on uh, recognition and management of PCP-related intoxication syndromes in the emergency department, right? Um, and so this, uh, this MK801 molecule that was developed by Merck in the 80s, I believe, um, can cause a, a mouse model that's validated for schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. So, so this mouse model uses something called prepulse inhi- inhibition as the way that they um, test the effect of the ketogenic diet on what is ostensibly a mouse model with schizophrenia. So prepulse inhibition, anybody want to tackle what, what that test is so that it makes a little more sense? So prepulse inhibition is meant is used to test on mice, and so we they use it, or in these studies they use the prepulse. Um, they in, initially initiate a pulse, 
and then the mouse gets startled from that pulse. So the pulse can be like a loud clap or a snap of the fingers. But then the pre-pulse um, is, is a pulse before that pre-pulse, and that is responsible for diminishing the effect that, that the mouse has, or diminishing the, um, the reaction the mouse has to that initial pulse. So, but with schizophrenia, um, it seems like the patient or the mouse models of schizophrenia, it seems like these mice don't, um, they don't have that um, habituation to that stimulus. Instead, it seems the stimulus always elicits that shocking response for them. So sort of like if I were to come up behind Jamin and, and just, <laughs> you know, poke him in the ribs and scream as loud as I could, he would jump. Yes. But if I came up behind Jamin, poked him in the ribs, screamed as loud as I could, and then did it again almost immediately after that, he's not going to yeah. jump and scream the same way he did the first time. Yes, his response to that stimulus would be muted, essentially. Excellent. And it, this does remind me a little bit of some of the things that, that I've read about P50 auditory processing, where a sound can can be viewed almost like a new sound each time in people who have schizophrenia and first-degree relatives quite often it will show up as well. So so an interesting model. And um, so, so this article described giving rats, I'm sorry, my, mice, mice, schizophrenia, and then testing the effect of the MKOA. Yep, we startled the, the mice. Yep. And then they put these mice on a ketogenic diet. Cool. And what happened? Um, and that's the reason I brought that N NMDA. Uh, what, what happened was yeah. it improved that, uh, that PPI. So let's let's say that a different way if we can. It normalized it so okay. that that what we typically see is some sort of reduction in the second startle event, right? Right. So it, it normalized that second startle event, right? Right. So we took mice that had a normal startle startle event. We gave them a medication that induced what looks like schizophrenia in their PPI. Uh -huh. Then, while they were still on that medication, we gave them or we treated them with a ketogenic diet which took them back, even though they were still being given the medication, it took them back to their original response. Would that be a, a better timeline of how yeah, they I th did Yeah, I this? think that's kind of how I understood that, or at least closer to that. And then, so, so I, I understood that part of the study, right? Yeah. But the other thing I didn't understand is they also measured beta-hydroxybutyrate. Okay. So for the ketogenic diet, there are three big ketones um, or ketone bodies that we we tend to talk about. One is that beta-hydroxybutyrate, the other one is acetoacetic acid, and then the last one is acetone. So people who are on this diet will actually get little strips, almost like a urinalysis, and they will uh, dip their urine in that to see is their body producing these three ketone bodies. So that's what they were talking about in the, the study. They, they're doing that to prove that their body truly was going into ketosis for an energy source. And, and that was, I, I just couldn't track that until I realized that beta-hydroxybutyrate is a ketone, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So that helped me understand that it was not only proof of that, but also as I started looking up beta-hydroxybutyrate, I think that this is maybe the fulcrum molecule that these principles are, are built on. Now, now first of all, let's, let's even back up one, one step, right? Who hasn't heard of the keto diet? 
Yeah, I think uh, everyone in here has definitely heard of it. Um, I'll bet multiple of us may have tried it at some point. (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny that I have thought about trying to have more ketones in my body. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's ubiquitous, absolutely. We even had a pathology teacher back in Ivan's, or he's in Colorado, but he always zoomed in via to us via Ivan's or via Colorado to Ivan's. So basically, he's known as the paleopathologist. So he frequently <laughs> touts the diet. So it doesn't mean that he's actually looking at uh, pathology and bones. He's just the paleopathologist because he likes the uh, keto diet, diet and or, the paleo yeah. diet is similar. Correct. Okay. So, so we've all seen this. Now, as I started looking into BHB, so um, I, I always have just a little bit of, of, I hope, healthy skepticism about things that look like they're exciting, that are out there, that seem simple, right? It doesn't seem like there's simple solutions to everything. We've talked about the um, gut-brain microbiota axis with uh, Natalie mm-hmm. uh, in the last month or so. And there's uh, interesting information out there. We're still waiting for that to translate into clinical um, importance. I, I think that was kind of where we were left. And I think this is probably similar. But I was surprised by, uh, by the research that is out there on, on something that's often called BHB, so beta-hydroxybutyrate or BHB. right? So, so there seem to be these areas of effect. Jamin, can you kind of like mention these areas that are affected by by BHB and then let's maybe try and tackle those individually. Um, you know one of the really broad ones that you will read about of BHB um, whether they got it from a ketogenic diet or whether they were just being supplemented or injected with a BHB is it seems to have anti-inflammatory properties mm-hmm. and I don't know if we have a disease process that we don't eventually decide has an inflammatory response uh, aspect. Um, And so there's something there that it decreases inflammation all over the body, including because because these are nonpolar, they cross the blood-brain barrier, and it should have an anti-inflammatory effect in the brain as well. Um, other ones. Let, let me let's back up and maybe maybe as we go through these, rather than just list them all, let's yeah. let's go ahead and tackle them individually. Now the 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 uh, inflammasome, which is what uh, this article talked about, the, mm-hmm. this article in schizophrenia research. I struggled to understand it, but it sounded like there is some sort of drug microbiota interaction that is part of. What, what at least this author thought might be the explanation for that inflammatory change. Did I misunderstand that? Or is there a different story that you understand? I do not understand a different story on that. Um, we may have to add that in another, another spot or maybe in the notes because he went over a lot of different things in this article and that was one that I think I glossed over. I think one of the things that would be very fascinating to me is perhaps picking that, the in, the in Inflammasome, a word I'd never heard before, right? Um, interesting, interesting word. Not necessarily a neologism. It kind of makes sense, right? Um, maybe we can pick that up in another podcast. We'll see where, where this takes us with the four or five days that you have left here. Yeah. Three <laughs> days that you have left here. Uh, what's the second area of effect that you saw? Um, the other big one that the, the study talked about and we touched briefly earlier 
is that it had um, it was able to outcompete that antagonist molecule at the NMDA, the the KB or sorry MK801, and so it can it seems to block those antagonists at that receptor. So I didn't I didn't see that in the notes, and I don't have a good ability to comment on that. I think it is worth pointing out, though, that this is a, a molecule that is ubiquitous. It's, it's just everywhere, over. right? So if you, f if you fast, you increase BHB. If you do intense exercise, you increase BHB. And, and the change is pretty dramatic. It goes from on the verge of barely detectable to like millimolar equivalents pretty quickly with fasting, right? Yeah. So, so not only is it ubiquitous and not, not a lot of it initially, but as you start inducing that through either exercise or through the ketogenic diet, it, it really ramps up. And then because it's, it has this widespread distribution, it, it passes through the blood-brain barrier, um, it seems to also have a lot of effects on other receptors. So you've talked about uh, the glutamate receptor, but I also read about its effect on a couple of other G-protein receptors, um, there are two G-protein receptors that it uh, binds to. I didn't, I, I didn't necessarily track through all of that to see what the downstream effects were, but I also saw that in addition to binding there, it binds on the class one um, HDACs and uh, histone, histone deacetylase um, Acetylase. Um, I think oh. it's complex. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Now I can't remember. I wrote down the abbreviation and uh, it's H DAC and eight oh. and hats, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So the epigenetic, the mm -hmm. the mechanisms of how we read our genetics and what we just what our body translates because of that. So these class one H DACs seem to inhibit access to those genomic strands lifting the inhibition or inhibiting the inhibition, which is what I think I understood, uh, means that suddenly we start having a lot of, um, of activity, right? And some of the activity is kind of interesting. So one of the uh, areas is this FOXO3A, FOXO3A gene, which seems to be associated with aging. So maybe if you fast, you are um, aging better, right? More slowly aging. There seem to be some association with brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. I know that BDNF, starting about 15, maybe 20 years ago, started to be something that was very interesting in research associated with depression. Um, I don't know that I've seen that pan out further, that, that there's clear associations between, for example, our antidepressants and BDNF, but that's kind of exciting in those terms. Um, I saw that it would, uh, I saw also that it binds to, or has effect because of the energy metabolism on relative uh, concentrations of NAD in the cytoplasm versus the mitochondria. And again, that speaks to the ubiquitousness of the ubiquity of this molecule. It gets just about everywhere, right? Extracellular, intracellular, nuclear, it, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, the other thing I saw was that BHB is a substrate for, um, in the glial cells, no, the astrocytes, I'm sorry, that BHB becomes a substrate for glutamine. 
Um, and that would be in the pathway to make GABA, correct? Not only the pathway to make GABA, but also the pathway to make alpha-ketoglutamate uh, uh, alpha or glutarate. I can't read my writing here. Alpha-ketoglutarate, yeah. Glutarate, and also aspartate, right? Yeah. So other um, peptides, I think. Peptides? I think they're tricyclic, I mean, um, Krebs cycle derivatives or right. products. So yep. not peptides then, but uh, not amino acids. Boy, now now we're really struck. We're 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 gonna have to. It's we're back in the bio. Acetyl CoA, oxaloate, yeah. acetic acid derivatives. Yeah, they all feed yeah. into the Krebs cycle, but mm -hmm. in terms of what molecule they are. And yes, ultimately GABA, which is going to slow down, right? And I think that was the idea for um, the seizures, the the increased relative amount of GABA. Correct. So so this this molecule. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It has effects everywhere. Were there other it's places you found that it had effects? Um, I think we hit the big ones. Uh, it, I did see some research also on, um, you know, improving and decreasing the pruning of neurons, and mm -hmm. there is a lot of exciting research on this, on this topic. Not necessarily to the point that it's a great clinical treatment. We're not there yet. Um, but at least in these earlier phases, there's a lot of really great bench research on, on it and what it can do all over the body. I want to go back to one thing that I said incorrectly. And that is that um, I think I said that this crosses the blood-brain barrier, and it does, but I think I was assuming that it passes through because of its uh, nature. But it looks like there's actually some specific transporters called the monocarboxylic transporters. And uh, there's uh, MCT1, MCT2, and SLC16A6. Um, now I have run into the SLC transporters a little bit in the past when talking about some of the things that seem to be associated with schizophrenia. But I mean, this there's like a whole new world of biochemistry that seems to be opening up with the research associated with the downstream effects of, of the keto diet. I think we're uh, very much at the preliminary stages though, right? It's just every, and that was the fun thing about this topic, it seemed like everything I clicked on just opened up 30 more doors that I wanted to go read all these other articles, and each one of them opened up more and more. Kind of down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Absolutely. If I could chime in, because um, hearing your conversation um, develop further and further, I was thinking of the beta-hydroxybutyrate again. So, I mean, I'm thinking it could be probably, an, since it's a ketone body, it's an incomplete um, product of the beta oxidation pathway. So that's probably explains its, I mean, that's from what I'm hypothesizing, it probably explains its ubiquity in the body. If, if you're talking about breakdown of fats to energy, mm -hmm. yes. Yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Which is, with the keto diet, is the purpose of... Yeah. The keto giant, yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, I think uh, I think of it just slightly different, but you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Right? Our body, you can kind of think of there's two big energy sources, right? When we eat carbohydrates, we get a spike of sugar, we use insulin, and then there's all the downstream effects of having insulin all over the body. And the other state is that fasting state where we're using fat. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you're right, it is a, the ketone bodies are breakdowns of using those medium-chain triglyceride um, 
triglycerides as energy. And so the keto diet is really trying to get all these, um, these fasting uh, effects while still eating. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the thought here is you have your, you know, the insulin saying everything get big and strong and store all this energy. The ketone or the fasting is the other direction and can we, can we be able to eat and stay in that, that hormonal state? So that's the hack. I'm in this new yes, metabolic yes. state exactly. um, that usually I only get to go to when I'm very, very hungry. Because <laughs> yeah. usually um, the sugars are processed first. Yeah. And since we are limiting our diet to exclude sugar almost completely, mm-hmm. we're focusing on the fats. Exactly. I think, as I understood the way that Crater, I, I again, apologies to <laughs> the authors of the paper, the way that they're making the case for this, and I thought it was very fascinating, is, hey, if you go into starvation mode, you, your body needs to respond to be able to keep you alive. This is a response to an environmental insult, and it, it really does generate all of these different pathways that you now recruit to try and prepare your body for lack of food and to be able to continue functioning uh, in that setting. And, and in a sense, most of those make some sort of sense to me. Um, I, I can't put all of it together, right? But there's a whole lot of this story that, uh, okay, I can see why, you know, in a body that's, uh, you know, we've been around for quite a while now and our bodies are really designed uh, by survival to, to have these pathways to keep us alive. And gosh, I, I, the story story is reasonable. It's not unreasonable by any means. Absolutely. Um, the other one that, is also quite popular and how it kind of runs on the same idea as intermittent fasting, right? That if your body went 18 hours without food, you should get some of these same effects that you do start to get measurable ketones after, um, you know, 12 hours of not eating. So if you can go a couple more, you'll get these benefits, but then you can still enjoy carbohydrates, the one we all crave. So, <laughs> so, so, so here's it's my, kind of a mix on that same idea. Does drinking water count as fasting still? They can still drink water. They could still have, actually, uh, most intermittent things that I've read, Diet Coke would still be okay. <sighs> so you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> I've often wondered if Coke would sponsor me for my uh, Facebook pictures, but uh, I'll have to follow up on that another time. You have time. a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, Diet Coke pictures on Facebook. Yes, Are I you do. wearing the socks today? No. I'm not wearing my Diet Coke socks today, but maybe next week. So you're safe on the keto diet with Diet Coke. That's awesome. Guys, I think we're probably drifting to the point where, again, I agree with you, Jamin. It seems like there's a lot of information that's starting to build. There's a lot of interesting aspects of uh, this BHB and how it has different effects at different places on the body and why that might be part of a story that makes some sort of sense in terms of survivability. And uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. And, And again, I'm kind of interested by the effect this diet has on uh, schizophrenia, and it would be really great to see where this goes. Kind of as a, a as a last comment, I want to get your thoughts, um, but before we go to that, uh, Jamin, you mentioned that there's a study in phase three. Yeah, there's, there's a couple more things I did want to mention that we uh, haven't gotten out yet. So there is a phase three trial, um, at least one, if I think there's actually a handful of them on very low carbohydrate diets um, and patients that have been diagnosed with schizophrenia. So they're still recruiting, they're not finished, nor have they published obviously, 
But it looks like there's a lot of other people reading the same research and think it's to the point that it can be taken further. Now, I don't know if this came first or uh, to inspire that bench research or the other way around, but there are some case studies of patients that have been diagnosed with schizophrenia and then, you know, 50 years of in and out of hospital, in, in and out of being in the hospital, and then they try the schizo or the uh, ketogenic diet, and you know just miracles, just decrease in positive symptoms, decrease in negative symptoms, went off all their antipsychotic medications, and have stayed out of the hospital. So there's some really exciting case studies. Um, I don't know if that inspired the bench research or the other way around. But we seem to be far enough into this that it, it keeps coming back positive and, and probably has some good effects. The other really important one I, I wanted to throw in was uh, this is relatively contraindicated in children. All right? We talked about that, that uh, glucose and insulin response. Well, we have the insulin-like growth factor. If you remove that from a child, they will be much shorter. It will stunt their growth. And so... Um, that's something to think about if a, a child wants to try this. There's definitely well-researched issues with them trying it. Um, the other one, there's uh, other things, kidney stones and a handful of other problems that children seem to get if they try this diet. Um. All right, so contraindications, good thing to bring up. And, and again, not, not ready to... Uh, I'd be very hesitant to tell everybody to go out and take people off of uh, antipsychotic medications and go to the keto diet. I suspect that this will be much like many of the other things that are involved in schizophrenia, that um, some portion of people who have schizophrenia um, will benefit from this, knowing who would benefit would be great. Just like our medications, right? Not everybody gets well with clozapine, not everybody gets well with psychotherapy, not everybody gets well with uh, with uh, risperidone, with um, paliperidone, right? I can keep naming things <laughs> that doesn't get everybody well. And but they work sometimes. They work sometimes, right? And, and I think this speaks to the heterogeneity of the condition. We still don't really have one candidate gene that consistently explains schizophrenia. It explains some cases of schizophrenia, right? So, great comments. Um, let's get uh, last thoughts from Rhett, then Angelo, and then back to you, Jamin, and then we'll close it out. Yeah, no, I just uh, would reiterate, I think it's exciting to think of, of this kind of second state our body can be in and what genes may and may not be expressed and how that's going to affect schizophrenia and uh, potentially many other things. Um, so thank you, Jamin, for doing the research. Really cool. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for bringing this article for us to read and to, or for us to, for us to hear from you and um, your knowledge about this subject and um, looking forward to what the future research brings on this topic. And you know, I'm torn because it's exciting, but I also hate it. Because if this means I don't get to eat my carbs, mm -hmm. and I don't want to, I want all the research to come back negative. <laughs> so maybe you can find carbs that, uh, proteins that taste like carbs. Maybe we can do something. That would like be that. the dream. Yeah. There we go. Or maybe a diet-related carb, <laughs> where it's hard right. to process. You know, I like something it. like my diet uh, coke. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As I cheers you guys <laughs> with it. All right, guys. On that note, thank you very much for participating. Team out. Team, Team out. out. <laughs>